and welcome to the Australians Teach English podcast, the podcast by language learners with language learners for language learners. My name is Glenn and I'm the owner and director of the Australians Teach English Institute. And I've had a lot of interesting experiences in my language learning journey. I'm sure like all of you, I've, I've been frustrated, I've been annoyed, and sometimes I've even chucked a wobbly about my learning experiences. And I'm sure my, my guest today, I'm sure he's had a similar experience. My friend Clayton in Korea. Hello, Clayton. So hello, how are you? I'm well, thank you very much. I'm well, thank you very much. Have you ever chucked a wobbly when you've been learning? I, yes, yes, I have. <laughs> <laughs> Particularly with pronunciation, with, with, with nail. Yes, with pronunciation. Mm. So, so, so we have a little bit of a choice. I, either we can, either we can, we can laugh at ourselves while we're learning, or we can, or we can chuck a wobbly. So you, 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 you might, you might be thinking out there. Well, what does what does chuckle chuck a wobbly actually? What does chuck a wobbly actually mean? And the, well, Clayton, could you explain? Could you explain this one to us? Okay, so chuck a wobbly. So chuck, I guess, is there's many ways of describing chuck. It's usually throw is the first word. Um, but then wobbly, it's like, yeah, it's usually associated with someone being angry, like a sudden outburst of anger. So, you know, hands going in the air, um, you know, shaking body. Yeah, so chuckling. Yeah, so chucking a wobbly. Yeah, so so chuck is an interesting word in in Australian English. So in, in a, in, I think in our previous episode, we we spoke about the word do, and and some some verbs words that we use, some verbs that we use are what we call replacement verbs. So uh, they they can mean very many different things. So the, the the classic the classic words are do and get that can mean many, many different things. And chuck is one of these words. So chuck can, can be to do. And, mm. and so this expression means to, to get angry, to have a tantrum, to argue, to scream, to yell, all of these things. So wobbly is, is, is to shake or to be un, unsteady. So people can, can use this, this expression. So when someone is angry, often they shake. Or they gesticulate with their hands and they go everywhere. Mm. So you can think about you can think about how how visual this this expression is is to help you. And and one of the things that people do like about Australian English is how visual our expressions are. Things like you know spit the dummy would be another one that we that we would use in this similar context a baby spits out a dummy so you can visualize all of these sorts of sorts of things that mean a mm -hmm. similar a similar thing so mm -hmm. that's also what we're going to talk about today is the visualization and how that can help us learn a language so clayton you're you're living in korea now is that correct uh yes yes i'm um so yeah i'm living in the southern part of south korea a province called um, Gyeongsangnam-do. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not going to try and pronounce that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll leave that one. To, I'll leave that one to you. <laughs> and so I assume. So I assume you're learning Korean. Yes. Yeah. So I started learning, like just self-learning, before I came to Korea. 
So there's a, a line of books that I bought um, that were created by um, a Korean guy that studied in the US and the UK. Um, and then, yeah, so I started with those books. And then just recently in the last month, I started doing an online sort of like, sort of like, yeah, like a, via Skype or, or another program um, where you do a sort of like a face-to-face with a, with a teacher uh, and you have a set curriculum and they, you, we do reading exercises and so, so focus an on, on pronunciation. On, an, an online institute, a, a, a sort of a, a, a formal online institute for yeah. Korean learning. Okay. Yeah. So, so, so how was it that you came to be living in, in Korea? Uh, so after nearly 12 years in one company, I kind of reached a level that I couldn't go any further, couldn't go up, couldn't go sideways. The economy was a bit up and down and flat in Australia. So um, I'd always wanted to live and work overseas. Um, initially, when I was at school, I wanted to, I learned Japanese, so I wanted to go and teach English in Japan. And then just through like bombarding of Facebook or Instagram things, I came across this opportunity to teach in Korea. So, so yeah. what was it that you were actually doing in Australia? I was, <laughs> I worked in an alumina refinery. So I Aluminium was a, or aluminum? I would say aluminium. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of pronunciation, here is a good example. <laughs> uh, but it was an alumina refinery. So we took the bauxite, the red, the red dirt, ore, the red dirt, little red marbles, and made it into white sand, which would then go to a smelter to make aluminium. Yeah. So we were like the middle person, I guess, the refinery. The so, refinery. Yeah. So, so what was your actual what was your actual job in this process? I was like a sort of a process, like I worked in a laboratory. So I was like a, a chemical, a process chemist, I guess. A process chemist. Yeah. And, I, and so, I assume and I assume from all this red soil, this is where you got your red beard from. It's just. Oh, no. <laughs> no, it's just <laughs> genetics. <laughs> Although there's, there's more grey coming through. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm exactly the same. <laughs> yeah, it just gets, I think it might have even st- it hasn't even gone through the grey stage. It's just gone straight to white. <laughs> <laughs> but but were you working? At, did 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 you study like environmental science or or what was it? Uh, yeah, yeah. So I had a uh, I uh, I had a degree uh, major in biology and a um, a minor in chemistry. So I actually wanted to go into a microbiology field, but that's a bit limited in like getting positions and blah 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 so i ended up going into an environmental area so i did air emissions and uh for two years and then i worked for another a university doing uh, water quality and that type of environmental monitoring and through that i got exposed to industry and got my foot in the door and applied for industry and yeah, ended up working for a major global company. Yeah. 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 So, so it, it's an interesting story how, how a lot of, especially from Australia, how a lot of English teachers around the world will actually have science degrees and especially, 
in, in the environmental field. I mean, I, I have a master's in environmental management. My, my, my field is in, in water quality and water quality management. And I think I graduated in 2012, 2013. And at this time, um, we had a change of government and they cut all the funding to all the, the land and water departments <laughs> where my thesis yep. was was being presented to so so all, all of a sudden the, the people that had said to me uh oh yeah if you study if you study something to do with water you'll always have a job in australia all of a sudden they they didn't have a job <laughs> so <laughs> i i certainly didn't have a job so then i started considering well what what was my what was my future in in australia going going to be mm. but it does provide us um a lot of benefits I think having a science background when it comes to to teaching English outside of the country I think especially you probably find as a as with a background in biologist uh, in biology or in, in the environmental sciences the, especially the kids or even the adults they love learning about nature they love learning about animals things like this yeah and so, so so when when people think about Australia they automatically think about I think about the koalas and the kangaroos and 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 things like this. So, do you, do you now use this in your teaching? Do you use your background in the sciences to help you to teach? Yeah, I do actually. Um, I, I bring in a lot of. I try and bring in a lot of like personal experiences. So, if we're teaching a subject, like ironically today was, uh, what do you want to be? And one of the, the, the things that we were, the, the list of occupations was scientist. And I just, because it was after school, after lunch, the students were just like, mm. so I was trying to like get them talking and engaging. So I was like, oh, teacher Clayton used to be a scientist before teaching English. And they're like, really teacher? <laughs> so, um, so yeah. So, and also like experiences, because I've traveled the world, you know, um, different parts, Europe, um, Canada. Um, like I try and bring those experiences into the classroom to try and engage students. Excellent. Mm. Yeah. Excellent. So, so why, why did you choose career and not, and not another place? Um, I chose Korea because the cutoff for the visas was age 40. Um, and the other options I had were like Vietnam, Cambodia, uh, Thailand, which are, are fantastic places. Um, but I wanted not just a difference in culture, but like experience the something different in, in terms of like climate. Like, you know, living and growing up in North Queensland, there's no snow. Um, so 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 whereabouts whereabouts did you grow up in australia um i spent oh i i went i moved around all queensland but my formative years i guess like most of my elementary or primary school was in north queensland so near cairns so cape york so actually cairns cairns no so basically in the middle of Cape York Peninsula. So there's a town called Georgetown Uh about eight hours um, from Cairns. (laughs) Oh yeah. Just right. Just right next to Cairns. (laughs) Just in the suburbs of Cairns. Eight eight hours away from Cairns. Um, 
And then, <laughs> yeah, I moved south as I got into high school. And then I ended up, my, my year 11, year 12 and university was done in central Queensland at Rockhampton. Rockhampton. Okay. Mm. So, so what's the, what's the, the university up there in Cairns called? I can't remember what it's called off the top. Um, Cairns, I think is a, is it James Cook University? Campus. Yeah, James Cook. Yeah. The main one is in Townsville, but they have a campus in, in Cairns. Yeah. So, so the, their environmental department, I think, is in is in the Cairns department. And they're sort of world yes. famous for their marine biology and and things like that because of the great the Great Barrier Reef and 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 things like that. But people would the reason I asked you is that people probably are reasonably familiar with Cairns or with, mm-hmm. with Port Douglas, because these are sort of two of the the famous kind of touristy spots in Australia. Port Douglas has the has the Daintree rainforest and and the cassowary, yes. the da- mm-hmm. the danger bird, and um, <laughs> and Cairns is 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 sort of the most popular spot for for looking at the at at the Great Barrier Reef. Mm. But you were just next door, eight hours away. Considering that, how long does it take to fly from Australia to to Korea? It's about eight hours, isn't it? Um, I Maybe think a bit if more. you can get a direct flight um, from Brisbane or Sydney, it's about 10 or 11 hours. Yeah, so next you door can get to a Australia, flight. really, when you think about yeah. it. <laughs> 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 so, so, so then you arrived in Korea and you, and you, and you studied to, to become a te- teacher. And, and what, was, what was your first experience uh, with, with, the, with the Korean culture, not, not knowing much of the language? I guess one funny experience, I guess, was we got dressed up in the hanbok, so the traditional dress. Uh, it's part of a cultural orientation. So we we all got taken, hired these hanboks. Um, the hanbok for the, the women or the girls is much nicer. They're like really fanned out dresses, whereas the guys is kind of more like a, like a Chinese robe like or dress shirt. Sort of I'd, I'd go for the dress. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so then we, we got to parade around, uh, like I do a tour of the, one of the big palaces all dressed up in traditional, yeah. But because like, um, like I'm bald and it was quite a hot summer day, um, I got a little bit red on the top of my head. <laughs> so, your, so your head, the colour of your head was matching the colour of your robes? More or less, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you were dressed dressed in red from head to toe, literally. Well, actually, um, they have red in Korean, but I was actually dressed in a sort of like a bluey purple color with silver patterns on it. But yeah, the next day I went to like Lotte, which is like a big like supermarket department store to get some aloe vera <laughs> and, so, do you, so do you remember so do you remember how to ask for aloe vera in the, in the... um no but the, I, I managed to find it but it was just funny that it was right next to sunscreen <laughs> and <laughs> they've done this before <laughs> i um i had a very uh a very helpful um Ajimoni, so an older woman mm-hmm. uh, that was obviously an assistant in the store. 
has come up with her broken English and she's like, she grabbed the sunscreen and she goes, I think you need this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, she was on commission. <laughs> so I had... <laughs> I had something in my hand, the aloe vera in my hand, because I was reading to make sure that it was like more aloe vera and not just watered down product. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So as a, and but she's like, she looked at me and she grabbed the sunscreen and just goes, no, I think you need this. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's at the end of the day, you can, like, there's been a couple instances where I've tried to ask like a bus, for example, is this the right bus to get somewhere? And you just, you just, um, you chuck a wobbly because you can't, you just wing it actually. You just wing it and and hope for the best sometimes. (laughs) Like, because we don't understand each other, they don't speak any English. And particularly where I live, I'm not in Seoul, I'm in a a real, real, um, rural area. Mm -hmm. So no one speaks English here. (laughs) Um, so you might find a few people who have traveled that speak quite well, mm-hmm. but they're, yeah, far fewer and in between. Wow. So, so have, mm. have you ever chucked a wobbly? Actually not, no, because, because of the Korean culture, um, they're not very expressive. It's not, it would be frowned upon and it would actually just make the, the situation worse. Ah, there you go. Yeah. I think so, here, um, here in Argentina, unless you chuck a wobbly, <laughs> unless you chuck a wobbly, people don't really pay any attention. It's not, it's not serious unless you're chucking a wobbly. It can wait. It can wait till tomorrow unless you're chucking a wobbly. Yeah. No, Korean culture is very, very different. There's a lot of uh, don't lose face. Don't lose like, face. Not yeah. yeah, not losing face. Um, so they would rather politely dance around the bush and 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 say, oh, you know, maybe. Da, 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 then actually tell you outright no yeah ah. which is frustrating as a foreigner because yeah. it's like uh, yeah i just tell my teachers like if you're t- you're just speaking to me put the korean etiquette aside and just tell me straight am i doing a good job yes no yes yeah, yeah well i mean this, this is one of the important things we're with we're teaching a a, a language is you're not you're not just teaching a language you're also teaching a culture mm. and so uh, this is this is one of the the sayings we we're, we're teaching languages is that te- teaching a language without without teaching the culture is culture is just learning words mm. so th- this is a big this is a big part of it as well and so certainly coming coming here to argentina the the castellano the spanish is much more direct and so that's not that's not a that's not a thing of being rude or impolite. That's just that's just a cultural difference. Um, and so so a, a part of the learning the language is a part of understanding the culture as well. And this can be this can be actually just as difficult, maybe even more so than 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 learning the language. Mm. So what have been so so you said that the pronunciation is the most difficult thing for you to learn. Yeah, it's the pronunciation because it it has a lot of similarities with Chinese sounds. Um, so having learned Japanese, it's a lot easier, I think. Um, I sometimes it's a little easier to speak Japanese. Um, and Japanese is a bit complicated because they have their own intonations associated with their languages. Um, 
but yeah, speaking Korean because they heavily influenced with China. So there's a lot of Chinese sounds in Korean um, that I struggle with. Um, okay. mm, to to learn and read and to write to read and to read it is actually very very easy. You can do it in a day. Really? Um, yeah, six hours if you're not if you're you know on the ball. Tell us, hours. how did you learn to read and write in a day in Korean? Um, I think because of the way the letters are structured, they mimic the mouth positions. So it's actually quite easy to learn, like, the letters. Like, they had a restructure. They, they used to use the Chinese characters, but um, well, let me see. King Sejong basically sent some scholars off to you know, come down to a way of simplifying the language so that they everyone could read and write and oh. not just the, the rich, yeah. Wow. So I, I, I assumed that it was a character language like like in Japanese or in or in Chinese Mandarin where, where, where the actual characters were based on on like a pictogram depicting no. some, some some meaning from from the from the past. No. So there's 10 vowels and 12, no, tw- uh, 10 vowels and 14 consonants. So it's actually yeah. not, so it's not a huge, it's not a huge amount of sounds. No. Okay. It's, it's not a huge amount. And they're all sort of based on a like horizontal and vertical. So it's either, you know, vertical and to the right or vertical and to the left. Horizontal up or down. It's pretty similar. Okay. So yeah. so so the actual perhaps the mouth positions and the actual physical pronunciation isn't isn't so difficult to learn. Yeah, so there's one one that's like Ugh. it's it's literally you're just keeping your mouth flat and it's just a line. Mm-hmm. And it's just Ugh. Ugh. um whereas oh it's a line up, so oh, oh. up. So it shows, yeah. Actually, that that's one that I actually um, some of the some of my Chinese students actually have trouble with, and actually, and actually getting them to actually move their head at the same time actually helps them to produce the the pronunciation. But of course, in some cultures, head movement and gesticulation is seen as a as a as as a no no. Mm. So 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 it's not just it's it's perhaps not that they can't do it. It's also that. They're they're fighting that they don't want to do it yes. because of <laughs> because of other reasons. So so this you can have a you can have a double challenge with some of these things. But but this is a trick that you can try at home is actually is actually freeing your throat, your mouth, and your head, and finding finding a way that actually helps you to pronounce different words and different sounds, and then mm. use it whatever works for you. But there are certain things like the oh sound where if you move your head up generally that will actually help the certain muscles around your mouth and your throat be able to produce that particular sound mm-hmm. so so yeah. is there an alphabet in in korean yeah so there is a, there is an alphabet so you have yeah 10 10 consonants so there's 10 sort of characters i guess that so the the for the 10 consonants and then, um, and then the the twelve or fourteen, oh sorry, the ten vowels, and then the the fourteen consonants. 
So, yeah. So they have pretty much most of the sounds. The only thing I also struggle with is there's one called uh, alleles, which is, it looks like a, a square S. And the thing with Korean is they have a thing called, um, their letters are a consonant. There's a couple arrangements. It's a consonant and a vowel. So CV. Mm-hmm. You can have CVC. Mm-hmm. So two on the top, one on the bottom. Um, or you can have CVC, so like from top to bottom, just straight down. Mm-hmm. Or you can have a block of four, so CVCC mm-hmm. in a square. And depending, the, the last characters are called a bachum, and that will... Um, so basically, it's very phonetic Korean. It's it's very phonetic, but unfortunately, the bachum, the characters at the bottom of each um, consonant group, mm-hmm. um, yeah, uh, I can't think of the word, but yeah, each section can influence the sound of the next one, the top of the next one. Yeah, yeah. So so this is a feature with a lot of the Asiatic languages um, mm. that that depending on uh, so, so the tones, for example, the, t- the tones in Chinese will influence the meaning of the word. So, for example, mm. ma can mean mother or it can mean horse or it can mean a question. Mm. So it can mean four different things depending mm. on the, depending on the, the, depending on the, I guess, the intonation or the tone, if it, if it descends or it goes up or if it stays flat. Mm-hmm. But the complicating factor with this is then if if this is a part of of a longer sentence or or you're joining the words together then 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 the tone will actually change depending on on the words around it mm-hmm. so so this can be difficult but is this really a a feature unique to to korean or asian languages or do you think this is something that that all language learners have trouble with I think it's, it's a thing that all language learners have a trouble with because there's a lot of words in English when you think about it that have a lot of, that a letter is there, but it's silent. And the Korean have a version of that little circle. The only one that's not a line is a circle. And it can either have an ing sound, like an ng sound, or if it comes in front of a, a vowel, it's silent. But it's there because they need a consonant vowel. So it's, if it's in front of a vowel, then it's just silent, like ah or oh, there'll be a, an O on front. And yeah. But like words like listen, my kids struggle with because you don't really say the T in listen. You just, it's listen. Yeah, it's, it's a lot. Listen. It. Yeah. yeah. But they're like, teacher, there's a T. And I'm yeah. like, to T. I'm like, yeah, but you don't say the T. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is this is this is always the difficulty with 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 most language learners coming to English is that English is not a phonetic language. Mm. It, it sort of has rules that cover about eighty or ninety percent of the time, but not not the ten or the twenty percent of the time. And and learners will often get stuck mm. on these particular things. And but English yet, is as a bastardized language too. It's you know, it's got bits of this and bits of that. <laughs> All sticky you know. tape together. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, basically. I mean, that, that's, that's why it's so successful, though, is because it, because it does have that ability to stick other, other languages to it. 
which makes mm. it then really adaptable, which is probably a part of this the success. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I guess that you got a point there. Like, it, yeah, it is adaptable. Yeah. So, one, so one of these things that you're talking about here is what we would call the connected speech, and the, and the weak forms and and the strong forms. And so this is not um, this is not unique to any particular language. It, it happens in all in all languages. Um, so, so in English, and we've spoken about this with, with my guest Melanie before, is focusing on the important words in a sentence. And they will be louder or they will, be, or they will appear a little bit longer in the sentence. So, so this can help students is actually making sure that they're pronouncing the important words in the sentence mm. more prominently than the others. Um, and they do this in, and it's something that, that speakers in, in in different countries in Asia will we'll be familiar with as well. It's, it's something that, that, that they respond quite well to. Mm-hmm. Um, but personally, when you, when you were teaching, I mean, you're talking about, you're talking about this alphabet in Korean, how it actually gives you little tricks for your pronunciation. The, the actual the alphabet characters actually show you how to put your mouth in the correct position and all of this. I find yeah. this, I find this quite, quite fascinating actually that, that um, it's actually giving you an, an instruction <laughs> yeah yeah it, it 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 it's it's actually quite quite a, a good system um i think that the fact that moving away from that what they call in korean hanja the chinese characters um which are very much you just sort of have to learn it there isn't really you know, any other way of, of doing it. Yeah. Um, to this more of an alphabet type system that guides you on, like by looking at it, you can kind of tell how that's supposed to sound. Yeah. Yeah. So, so there's, you know, there are, there are things in, in, in Chinese. So, so there are something like 500 main characters in, in Chinese. And then basically all, all of the rest of the vocabulary are, are combinations of these words put together. So you, so you have a word like mountain and you have a word fire and to make, to make volcano, then you literally put the words mountain and fire together. So you literally have yeah. fire mountain, which, mm-hmm. you know, it makes, it makes sense. Um, but, but there is, there is sort of a, a, another trick to this that especially with Asian languages or people learning different, a different alphabet, or any language really that that can help us to to remember and to help us to to learn these things, and it comes back to what we were saying at the start of this of this episode, with the visualization of of different elements of of the language. So this is what we call mnemonics. So little tricks that help us to 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 memorize particular things, and they can be pictures or they can be sounds, they can be any little rhyme that we have. And so have you ever used pictures to help your students learn or have you used pictures to help you learn? Um, I use pictures. Um, there's a couple, like when I'm teaching the, the phonics, I guess. So like, you know, ah, ah, Apple, that kind of thing. There's always those pictures, um, you know, like there'll be a picture of an apple, you know, T is always like a T word. So like 10 
usually something that they they will associate so like i try and use words or pictures that they they see on a regular basis i guess so putting in something like t for trumpet for example is not going to be you know useful because they're going to see the word like 10 they know what 10 is you know it's ship in korean but you know they they see one zero they know what 10 is yeah they just need to learn that the english word for it um, <laughs> they just they yeah. just need to learn it <laughs> yeah i i mean the, the, this is an interesting thing though it's okay they just they just need to learn it so so when we are starting to to learn a language and and i think this is perhaps really the hardest point with with starting any new language is that to be able to have a conversation or to be able to use the language, then you need a certain base mm. of, of, of a, a fundamental of, of the language. But how do you get that? That is, that is the difficult part. Uh, if you have a student that is 60 years old, that's never spoken a language before, how, how, mm. are you going to, how are you going to teach them? If you're learning a different character alphabet, how, how are you going to learn that? It, it's a really scary, intimidating, intimidating process. Yeah. So, so mnemonics is, is one way that we can use this. So using pictures to help us or using sounds connecting different things. So my, our, our original co-host Antonella, she's, she's from Argentina. She lives in Spain now. But a big problem with, with Spanish speakers is that they, they try and pronounce English things phonetically. So she always sends me messages now, even still, because she, she, had, she had problems pronouncing Tuesday, for example. She would pronounce it Tuesday. Mm. I found it phonetically. I said, no. What you have to do is you have to think of the train arrives on Tuesday. The choo-choo train arrives on Tuesday. So connecting, <laughs> so connecting the choo-choo train <laughs> with Tuesday then helps you to make that sound. So she still, actually, this Tuesday, she actually sent me a message. So, hey, Glenn, do you know what day it is? It's choo-choo Tuesday. Great. You know, and she will probably remember that for the rest of, <laughs> the rest of her <laughs> life. I hope so. I mean, I still remember little little mnemonics from 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 primary school. A, a classic little rhyme that I remember is is E goes away when in comes to stay. When mm. when we're writing, when we put the ing on the end of the words and we take the e out, so a little rhyme mm. that people can have. And that at home for, for their writing e goes away when in comes to set, to stay or i before e except after c mm -hmm. all, yeah. all these little tricks are, are because because they use different pathways different connections in our brain um they're easier for us to remember H humans have evolved to to remember pictures not words mm. not letters yeah um, I think that's why they try like a lot of the stuff that I find for phonics, like there's a song, but the pictures come up, you know, it's always associated with a picture and a sound that's similar. Um, but it, like those I before E except after C sort of stuff, like there's when trying to teach like, um, what is it? Like the long vowel sounds. So, you know, you've got, you know, CAP as cap, 
but put an E on it and it becomes cape. Mm-hmm. You know, the E, like some people call it a magic E because it's, you know, it's changed, you know, say my name, not my sound um, for the vowel. Um, and that's one I, I struggle with trying to teach Korean. I think the, the biggest undoing of English is the vowel sounds. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that's generally yeah. the undoing of, of, every, of every language is the vowel sounds. <laughs> because there's so many different vowel sounds and it'll vary. You know, an American will say A's a very different way to an Australian or a British person. Yeah, well, as, um, as we like to say on this show, the 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 Shankies are are linguistically limited <laughs> in more in more ways than one. And one of the main ways is phonetically. So they have they have something like five or six less phonemes than than other English speakers. This is an interesting little tidbit with with the different forms of forms of English, um, but. But yeah, I mean, there are lots of ways that you can think about the, the vowel sounds. One of my favorites is, is the, the long E. Almost all learners of English struggle with, with the long E sound. Mm. So, so one way that we can get speakers to, to pronounce the long E sound correctly is get them to smile. And so, okay, so when do you smile? Okay, I smile when I go to the beach. Mm-hmm. I'm happy when I go to the beach. Yeah. So then you can connect being happy with these different sounds. So that is one that is one way that you can do it. Looking for these little tricks that will help you, whether it's with your pronunciation, whether it's with your writing, whether it's with the meaning of different mm-hmm. things. Anything that you can do to help you. I know when I was learning uh, hiragana in Japanese, there's a lot of characters. There's one that's like an oo sound. And the way it's drawn, it looks like an old woman bent over with a, like, and the way we learned it was a vase hitting her on the back and she goes, ooh. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I mean all, the, all of these things are, are what we would call, a, these are sort of mnemonics. Mm. So, so one of the first ones that you learn when you learn Chinese is ren or jin. And, and literally it's, it, it's like two there's like two little sticks or two little legs coming out like this. And it means person. So what you can visualize oh, yes, is yes. you can ver- you probably have something similar in kanji or something like this. They stole it. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, in so Japanese. You, it's <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so you can imagine a you so you can imagine a person walking. And so you look looking for any of these sorts of things will will help you to be able to remember these things. So, so it's a it's a very valid strategy. Um, I'm I'm a big I, I love listening and reading about how to improve our memory and all of these sorts of things, and it has really big advantages for for language learning. Um, I'm I I give classes for free to to the disabled here in in Buenos Aires, and so we we have a mixed a mixed group of of people with different intellectual and physical disabilities as well as older people that that help them, and so. You know, as we get older, our, our memory generally deteriorates, but it doesn't have to. Mm. But, but all these people have something in common is that they need help and, and to revitalize their, their memory skills. So one thing that I like to do is, is get them to actually draw, is get them to draw words. 
get them to visualize something, what it means for them and to draw it. Because if you, if you speak to all of these, these memory world champions, people that remember pi to, I don't know, the 3000th digit or whatever, they all have a similar story that they don't, they don't remember the individual numbers. They go for a walk in their mind Mm -hmm. and they, and they put the numbers in different, in different places. And you can do the same thing with, with learning a language. I can, I can, and I get my students to do this as well. You can look outside at a tree. Okay. So that's a tree, but what else can you, put on that tree it's called pegging <laughs> yeah <laughs> you might know if pegging is something else but it, but it's actually a memorization strategy so okay so so i look at this tree what else can i peg to this tree okay we can have leaf we can have green we can have trunk we can have branch root all of these different things so so then every time you you walk past that tree you can think, you can actively think, you can actively visualize those words on the tree. Mm-hmm. And so this is a strategy that people can do at home. If they, if they have, then maybe they're even listening to this podcast walking around. I know that's what I do. I, I walk and I listen to podcasts and I, and I do my different, different speaking activities to myself as I, <laughs> as I walk around. And you can put different words on, on different buildings, on different places that you associate with them. So then every time you go past that, you're reminded of it. Mm-hmm. That is a little yeah. trick. Anyone can do this. Everyone can do this at home. Mm-hmm. You, can, you can look at a window. Okay, so the window, clear, glass, square, sun, all, all this sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Often, yeah. I, often I find that 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 students that have struggled to learn for a long time, often they're usually quite visual people, actually. Often they're quite, ironically, they're sort of more artistic types. So then as soon as you get them to draw and actually place the different, the different words, all of a sudden they start to be able to remember things mm-hmm. because someone's been speaking to them, someone's been getting them to write things, read things, whatever, but not enough actually visualising different things that's where i try and get my students up and moving and physically doing something when we're engaging in the speaking or um because i think help like moving around instead of just sitting at your desk all the time particularly when teaching things like this and that these and those Mm. because they're distance related yeah they have a spatial relationship spatial relationship yeah so like today we were actually teaching one of the grades that and we so we were doing assignment says but with our hands so if we pointed close to us they had to say this or these um you know and if it was far away like in the air it was this or that uh sorry that or those mm-hmm. um and yeah the students were getting it because the more and more we did it the less mistakes they made yeah good mm. Good. So there are all these other little learning tricks. So I think in a previous episode, we even had things like head, shoulders, knees and toes, knees and toes, knees and toes, head, shoulders, knees and toes, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. So, so connecting movement with, with learning. I mean, I'm, I'm a pretty hyper, I'm a pretty hyperactive person. So this suits me very well. I, I record these episodes standing up. I teach standing up and, and, and it is important to do this because our, our, 
we form our connections. There is a, there is a, we think well, we've spoken about this in a previous episode. We think there is, is a strong connection with, with forming new brain pathways, but connecting that with movement. Mm. So one, one, I discovered this kind of by accident when I came to Argentina, when I went to the shops and asking for something, all of a sudden my mind went blank. Because why? Well, when we're learning a language, often we're doing it sitting down, lying mm-hmm. on a couch or sitting down at a desk or, or whatever. But that's not when we use the language. Most, most of the time we're going to be standing up in a, in a pub or we're going to be asking someone a question in the supermarket, buying aloe vera, mm-hmm. you know, and, <laughs> and, instead of chucking, and instead of chucking a wobbly, <laughs> instead of chucking a wobbly, mm-hmm. we can actually... You, we can use these strategies to, to, to help us. So, so it's fantastic to mm. see that you're actually using the, the, these physical, physical mechanisms to help students to learn. But that being said, that you have to be culturally aware of physical gestures because not everything is universally uh, translation, like translatable. So, for example, in English, it's very common to go like palm up, come, come here. Uh, in Korea, it's palmed down like this. So you, yeah. So like for us, it'd be like a lot of foreigners struggle with that because that's like calling a dog or a cat. It's like come here, come here. <laughs> yeah. You know. Whereas for, like, us it, for us, it would be kind of disrespectful. Yeah, disrespectful, we do. Yes, like a little child. Come here. Yeah, it's like come here. Hurry up. Like yeah. Um, where whereas like. Yeah, but that's 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 how it's done in Korea. And like, there was a, another incident. Like, we, we went into a pharmacy, and my friend was trying to get something, and he was like, because he had like a rash, and he was trying to explain that he had a rash, and the way that he was rubbing his hands, the person behind the counter was just mortified. Like the look on their face was like, <laughs> I don't know what, <laughs> I don't know what they what, like. So then I had to I had to get out Papa Go and like a translation app on my phone and do the bit. And then once I she saw the keyword, she's like, oh, she told off and got the cream and came back. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, this is this is another this is another mnemonic strategy that we can use is is gestures. So mm. so one thing that I that I did here and it's how I got involved with 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 a group with disabilities is I started learning sign language here in Argentina. And I found that really, really, really helpful for me to learn Spanish. It was connecting mm-hmm. physical movements with my hands with, with Spanish words. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course, people tend to think that that sign language is universal and it's not. No. So for example, you know, there might be some things that us as Australians might understand you know from 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 italian or or argentinian speakers with the with the thumb and the shaking the hand like the care the what what are you talking about you might sort of understand that but for example something simple like a house like we would we would we would sign it like with with our hands joining above above our head Mm. But, but of course in in china in in asian countries it doesn't doesn't look like that so it doesn't we can't connect the meaning with that so there are there are lots of different mm, cultural connections with our with our hand movement 
and and <laughs> I mean, in 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 Australia, it's probably we probably have an advantage going to Asian cultures is because we generally are pretty reserved. We don't gesticulate a lot with our hands mm-hmm. and things like this. But perhaps someone from from a Spanish or an Italian background, they would perhaps find it a lot more difficult. Where a part of of the language is being very expressive. Mm-hmm. I think there are parts of Australia where people are more, you know, they, they use a lot more gestures. I typically, I don't know if it's because I, I'm probably not as, as gestive as a, as, a, as a Spanish or an Italian person, but I do realise that sometimes I get weird looks in Korea because they don't, <laughs> they don't use their hands very often. Like they only use their hands if it's like a, a really exaggerated part of the conversation. Mm. Like they're like wanting to express a specific point in the conversation. Whereas like I, I tend to use my hands a lot more and I, I've, I've had to like reel it back. And like, like sometimes in winter, it's great. I can just stick my hands in my pocket. <laughs> <laughs> and, but in summer, there's like, you've got fewer pockets to, you know, like it's, yeah. But also trying to communicate with my students is also, I've had one, one little boy came up and he, he was in a lower grade, like grade three. So he's just learning English and he needed to go to the Hua Junction, which is the toilet or the bathroom, restroom, whatever you like to call it. The loo, and the dunny. The loo. <laughs> the dunny. And- <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't think. I don't think our American friends or our South African friends or our British know this one. Hmm. Oh, Lou! Americans. The Lou. They would say Lou. The Lou is a a very posh word, apparently. Oh, really? Whereas I wouldn't associate Lou with a posh word. It's sort of. It's one rung above Dunny. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You got Dunny, and then you got Lou. Because all of my British friends will say, oh, no, you, to use the word toilet, like loo is higher than toilet. Like you. No, no, definitely yeah. for us. No, I'm glad that no. we agree with this one. No, we're, we're correct. Those British people are wrong. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, the way he was actioning, like he was trying to say that he, he needed to go to the toilet. And I was just like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> like, I don't understand. Like, normally you would cross your legs or do something in Australia, like that you were busting to go to the toilet. But the way that he was standing and moving was just not, it, it wasn't apparent to me that he wanted to go to the toilet. I can't even visualize this. <laughs> yeah. Like, and so, like, one of the, he just blurted out, Hua Jung Shil. And I'm like, oh, go, Kaja, go, just go. Just go. <laughs> like, it's fine. Go, go. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is, this is sort of the other thing is like that, that politeness is like, um, um, I guess, like for us, it's sort of a necessity. Like, mm. we, we don't ask, oh, may I, may I, drink some water during class we would just mm. drink the water but in in i mean <laughs> it can it can be this can be this level of of formality so mm. for, for us things like this might seem a little bit silly but in in certain cultures where the where the politeness is is the priority uh, then it can get in the way of actually doing doing important things which is that's particularly the case in Korea because it's very uh, honorific 
Yeah. And age plays such an important role in, you know, the older you are, um, it just dictates everything. And you see this in the playground, like where just one kid one year older will like, like, you know, just rule over the other kids. It's like, I'm older than you. And <laughs> they can speak <laughs> casually. They don't need to use formal speech with anyone younger. It's but only the, if you're yeah, older. But yeah. then if you're younger, then you always have to use the formal speech yes. no matter what. The formal speech. And then, yeah. and then I assume you go out into the playground, Clayton, and you just go around and bully everyone. <laughs> is, that, <laughs> is, that what, <laughs> is that what you do? You just go around and push all the kids around? <laughs> The one thing that I've had to get used to is in Korea, they're very physical. Like you'll see a lot of the times, uh, even men will like link arms and um, they're just very close. And like female teachers will constantly, you know, like caress, they'll sit next, they sit very close or they'll walk, you know, hand in hand. Um, It's not just children, it's adults as well. They're very they build very friendship relations yeah Yeah, i mean here in argentina because it is much more of an italian-based culture um that is that is similar as well people are very people are very contact based um that that is something that you actually have to get get used to if if you if you come to argentina or or you Mm -hmm. you live here it's impolite not to not yes they're not um with strangers it's okay like they're not physical but if they have a close relationship then they are but with children I notice because I'm also quite I have a lot of like I'm hairy on my arm so in summer like when I'm wearing shorter sleeves or I've rolled my sleeves up towards the end of the day I'll get a lot of like smaller kids I'm like oh like you know and they'll (laughs) want to touch me and and I'm not used to that yeah do you get lots of do you get lots of questions about your beard as well oh yeah I even from the adults they're like is that natural and I'm like yeah "Yeah, I haven't dyed it (laughs) yeah I I get the same questions from from my students in China as well they're always I well would you like to ask me a question well it's always about my beard why do you ask me questions about my beard all the time (laughs) I mean, th- this is this is another thing that I find interesting with, with different cultures is, is sort of the, the teacher the teacher student relationship, um, especially when you're getting to know a student. Uh, my, my experience with with my Chinese students is that they don't like to ask you questions. <laughs> it's not mm. it's not natural for them to to ask you questions. H- have you yeah. found Have you found this? Yeah, I have struggled. It's like, okay, ask me anything. And I and that's why I always bring in my my experiences. So like if we're doing, you know, what did you do on the weekend? It's like, well, you know, Clayton teacher went to, you know, Daegu on the weekend. He went shopping. I went, you know, I went shopping. I, you know, try and bring in those personal so that they go, oh, okay, I can understand the context, but, oh, you know, he's actually giving bits of, information about himself to me so hopefully that then they start opening up and they get interested and they want to know you know what do you think particularly with food it's like it's always interesting because they're like oh you've tried Sunday <laughs> like there's a one called Sunday which is like blood sausage like it's a bit like blood sausage basically uh-huh. it's intestines and and I quite like it it's actually not it's not disgusting I quite like it 
but they're like really you like that teacher i'm like yeah it's fine <laughs> because for, for, foreigners don't usually like this sort of food like, like food, yeah here here i mean that there are things like dulce leche and empanadas and asado and, and most people like like these things but then we have something called sherba mate which is like a bitter quite a bitter tea and i love it i'm addicted mm. i'm addicted to it um leonel messi has made this famous because he seen drinking out of this strange cup in in spain for example so so now it's kind of a, a more of a fashionable thing so people not but but a lot of people don't like it it does have quite a strong bitter bitter taste mm-hmm. um so so when when people are like oh you like mate yeah yeah i love it they're really really surprised <laughs> surprise yeah but i it's, it's like it's like when someone likes vegemite from a different country it's kind of like <laughs> yeah, yeah that's a bit strange you know <laughs> most people it's like the most hated food product in the world vegemite <laughs> i have to say i haven't introduced vegemite uh uh one of my other yeah there's another aussie in in the village where i live and she brought home a little jar, but it was only with the foreigners and it was mostly the Americans. So she had some <laughs> sayos or some crackers and she put on a little bit and gave it to them to try. Um, I haven't done that to my kids and I, I won't because it's such a particular taste, Vegemite. But I have introduced them to Lemmingtons. and uh, I, Everyone loves Lemmingtons. Uh, even the teachers, they're like, oh, this is good. And I'm like, yeah. you've got to drink it with tea or coffee because it, it balances it, the sweetness. Yeah, Yeah. otherwise you're going to eat a packet of 12 Lemmingtons. <laughs> and Tim Tams. And Tim Tams are the other ones. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all, the, all the deadly things. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, the Saffers love the Tim Tams. They're like, oh, uh, yeah. this is Tim Tams and uh, Pods. They've uh. never seen Pods before yeah yeah so like they're like a, a biscuit cu- coated in chocolate i i oh. guess yeah 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 ah oh, there you go there you go so no one's chucked a wobbly when they ate when they ate vegemite um that you saw no no they they didn't yeah there was a a few like yeah just scrunching of the face but like there was no actual um <laughs> no yeah no like exaggerated no one spat the reaction. Yeah, none of that. Um, yeah, yeah not, not with this group. It's it's interesting. The sepos generally don't like the Vegemite. Um, no, but the, uh, I find that actually a lot of people in South America, a lot, a lot of Latinos, a lot of Spanish people, I think they have a, a more of a salty palate, mm-hmm. and so they actually do quite like it. Um, and that and Australians also do like mate generally as well. So there's something with that bitter the bitter salty palate whereas people from the u.s have i think have much more of a, a sweeter a sweeter yeah. a sweeter palate um, so i um, find it quite quite interesting how across different languages different different cultures you can have you can have sort of uh, di- different tastes in in terms of food or, or similar tastes in terms of in terms of food even the the Tim Tams, like like when I brought packets, they were just the originals or maybe like a dark chocolate. So it wasn't over. I wouldn't think it was sweet, but the Koreans found it incredibly sweet. They're like, oh, uh. this is sweet. And I was like, have you tasted your bread? Because they're like Americans. They add sugar to their bread. Uh. Uh, whereas Australians and Europeans don't add sugar to our bread. 
<laughs> the sepos add sugar to everything everything yeah and c- unfortunately because uh, americans have such an influence on korea um it is slowly changing they are there's a lot of kiwi and aussie stores opening up in in, Aust- in korea but yeah their bread i don't i don't eat their bread here it's it's too sweet for me wow I didn't mm. know. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. So we managed to get through this episode without without chucking a wobbly, <laughs> which is good. Have have you have you got any other have you got any final thoughts on on learning languages as as an adult? I think, like, to to learn it, you actually getting back to that thing that you said, being physical. Um, getting yourself out into the community and actually interacting and don't be afraid to make mistakes. Um, I've made plenty. And most of the time the Koreans just laugh it off. You know, we both have a laugh. Um, But yeah, just immersing yourself. And if you can actually try, even with the limited vocabulary, have a conversation because if you're engaging because what I did was I was too afraid. Like um, I did what they did with English. You know, they made a mistake and then they just withdrew and yeah. it's like, oh, I'm not going to do it anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're very surprised at how good my pronunciation is when I do speak Korean. Um, and it's just like everyone makes mistakes. You know? Yeah. I think, I think espe- especially when we're teaching a language, actually being prepared to, to make a mistake is is really important and and to build sort of a rapport camaraderie with our with our students <laughs> i mean so it, yeah. it i mean with, with a lot of asian cultures or i think probably with with a lot of cultures people are afraid to make mistakes and and there mm. is a there is more value put on being accurate and being correct rather than on trying which of course yeah. when we're learning languages is really really counterproductive <laughs> so one thing that i do as well you know, like um, if you think your English is bad, then I'll just speak some Chinese for a little bit, and then you and then you can and then you can tell me which is which is better. And they kind of ah, yeah, all right. Mm. And or 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 when you have you know students that have been learning for a long time and say, oh, my pronunciation is still bad, and you say, well, I still can't pronounce "todos" correctly in Spanish, and it's a really yes. simple word. So, um. The, the, making these connections, make, make, making it understood that it really, I mean, every, everyone makes mistakes and it, it's not, it's not really that important. You know what it is that mm. I'm trying to say. Yeah. Um, there, there, it's are, just, there are no world championships for learning languages. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's basically find what works for you. Like I've gone through several different styles of learning, you know, from books to this, to, you know, online tutorial type lessons um but you just got to find out what works for you and and just practice i mean even english that's what like i try and tell my students through the korean teacher is that even english speaking you know as a child an english learner um we make so many mistakes as children and the only way you get better is to just keep practicing and to read and to just 
Like I do it. Like when I used to catch the bus before I bought a car, I'd sit there and I would read to myself all the signs on the bus and try well, and figure out what it meant. There you go. There, there's, uh, a, there's another way that you were you were learning mnemonics without even without even realizing it. Yeah, and restaurants now, like I can pick out certain. Now that I've learned certain words, like what is beef, what is pork, what is um, duck or chicken, you can. There'll always be a little clue as to what the restaurant is, and you yeah. just look for that word. You don't need to know what all the rest is. Mm-hmm. If you can pick out a few words, you can go, oh, well, okay, I can pretty sure that that's going to be a thumbs up sale. Yeah. Pork belly restaurant. Yeah. Yeah. This is an, this is an important one is not getting lost in the, you're not getting lost in, in all the sentences and actually making sure that you, you extracting the the key information from what is actually being, being said. I mean, it's not going to save you all of the time, but it's Mm. going to be much more productive because you're going to build your vocabulary and your knowledge of the language around around these keywords. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. and and of course, when when we're trying all of these things, it it of course it is natural sometimes to chuck a wobbly when we are learning. <laughs> I mean, we wouldn't we wouldn't we wouldn't be human if we we wouldn't be human if we didn't chuck a wobbly every wobbly. every now and then. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but the important thing is is to keep going and and not to say, well, I chucked a wobbly. Mm-hmm. I'm never going to learn another language. I'm going I'm going to stop. Or it's just keep going and then try and 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 then try and laugh like 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 I think it, you know given the circumstances probably in private chuck a wobbly uh, a wobbly uh, a wo- uh, oh, now i can't even say it chuck a wobbly chuck a wobbly yeah um in private you know have a have a good laugh and then usually when you when you do laugh at something you you actually do remember the yeah. mistake um yeah, yeah I, I think this is this is a good a good one to build between other language learners and and this is a, a, a big reason for this podcast is for people listening out there to to go oh yeah I remember I remember chucking a wobbly about something and I think about it now and how silly that was mm-hmm. but it happens to all language learners and and it is actually important to talk to other language learners about our experiences mm-hmm. you know to to debrief to, to actually get that, that feeling of relief that we're not alone in, in this journey of language learning there. <laughs> we're, we're all in this, we're all in this together. And it doesn't matter if we're learning Chinese or Korean or English or Spanish or whatever it is, we have similar experiences. And if we can, and if we can just learn to laugh at these, not be so serious, then perhaps we're not going to chuck, chuck a wobbly <laughs> when we're confronted with a, with a, with a challenge. So before before we before we say say goodbye today, I, I have one I have one request for you. Can you can you say goodbye in Korean? Okay, so there are two ways to say goodbye. So if you are the person leaving, so if you're staying and I'm leaving, it's onyongi um, kesayo. If I'm staying and you're leaving, you would say I would say onyongi um, gasayo. So So both of us are leaving, so it would be fine to just say That's quite a long goodbye. Yeah. So anyong means to like like blessing. So anyong is hello. 
Um, and then there's two ways to say goodbye, depending on who's leaving, who's staying. Yeah. Oh, so, but the most common one would be if you're both leaving. Yeah. That's much more complicated than Chinese, where it's just Zhejiang. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Simple, Zhejiang. <laughs> well, good. Well, goodbye. See you later. Yeah. Yeah. Have a good one. <laughs> it, it gets complic- uh, if you're like kids they'll just say uh, they won't leave they'll leave the ending off they'll just go onion onion so i can be oh, high or high. i mean that's probably yeah. where in in 10 years time that's probably that's probably what people will be saying all the time onion <laughs> that's how so that's how like i would do it onion it makes it easier for me so <laughs> so from, yeah. from 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 us at the australians teach english podcast the podcast by language learners with language learners for language learners it's us saying annyeong saishien atelogo and nos vemos have a good one see you later guys bye 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 for more information about the australians teach english institute Go to australiansteachenglish.com or follow us on Instagram, Facebook and YouTube at Australians Teach English.